Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. You guys hungry for the word today? You guys good? You guys okay? We got a little bit of time. Let me see here. Okay. Whew, help Jesus. I am, I am not gifted. Uh, I've got the 10th gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the gift of gab. And I, I'm a preacher, you know, and I'm a long-winded one too. So I love to preach. I love the word of God. So we're going to see, you know, how I can, you know, impart this word today in a timely fashion and in a way where we make room for ministry, okay? So um, I want you quickly to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 3. I'm going to talk today about seeds, soils, and harvests. Amen? And this will kind of have an evangelistic spin on it. You may not think so at first. It might take a little bit to build into where I'm going with this, but, uh, you know, hang on with me. And, um, you know, sometimes you got you to gotta build a little bit when you're preaching. But um, I'm going to talk about living in the 100-fold harvest because God wants you to live in the fullness of all that he's called you to. Amen. And in Matthew 13, this is one of my favorite parables, verse 3, it says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil. Say good soil. Others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. This is, again, one of my favorite passages, one of my favorite parables, because I believe that there's so many layers to the parables of Jesus. And this is one of those parables where really we could dissect this a uh, hundred different ways. I, I actually was feeling overwhelmed with revelation as I meditated on this passage this week. I felt like, man, I could preach probably ten different messages from this parable alone because there's so much to it. And I feel like what I could do is take a whole sermon to talk about all these different types of soil, but what I want to focus on is the good soil. There's different types of soil, you know. Some, some soils don't have very much depth to it. Some fall on the rocky place, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We could go into all of the uh, interpretations of, of this. But I want to focus on the good soil because the, the parable is stating that those who have good soil, those who receive the seed in, 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 with good soil, can produce and yield crops, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. 
And as I said a minute ago, God wants us to walk in the fullness of all that he's called us to. I want to see all that God has for me take place in my life. I want to fulfill everything written on my destiny scroll, that scroll which was given to me before the foundation of the world, that calling that was given to me before I was in my mother's womb, the plans, the purposes. Uh, Paul even talks about a high calling in Christ Jesus. Each and every one of you has a high calling in Christ. And the Lord wants you to produce all that he has called you to produce with your life. 100-fold. So I want all that God has for me. And that would be the 100-fold blessing upon my life. Now you could produce some of what God has for you, and that would be the 60-fold. Or you could produce little of what God has for you, and that would be the 30-fold. But why would we settle for 30-fold when we know that there's at least 60-fold? And why would we settle for the 60-fold when we know that there's a 100-fold that's available to reap in access? Come on, somebody. I want to tell you something. God is a big God. He is El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, the God of more than enough. I had an encounter um, in prayer, if I could just say it as it is. I had an experience in prayer a few months back where the Lord spoke to me and he said, it's time the body of Christ begins to see me again as El Shaddai. I am the God of more than enough. God cannot be a God of lack. It's impossible. And God is also not a God of just enough. It's impossible. For God to be fully himself, he has to function in a realm of overflow, in more than enough. You know, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, it says um, that, that God will, um, what's the, the verse? Shandabando, um, help me, Jesus. <laughs> Exceedingly, abundantly, above all you ask, think, and imagine. That's what I'm trying to quote. Uh, <laughs> but God exceeds the expectations. He exceeds even the imagine. You may have an imagination of what your life ought to look like, and you may have a, a mental grid of what you think you're capable of doing, but God will exceed that grid. He will, he will exceed even your own imagination and your own thoughts, uh, your own limiting beliefs pertaining to who you think you are. I didn't plan on sharing this, but just briefly, part of my testimony is I was born with a rare eye disease. I thought I was going to live life as a blind man. Didn't think that I'd ever be a preacher. Didn't think that I'd ever leave my little hometown. Didn't think that I'd ever really read, for that matter. I, I, it's not that I couldn't read. I just I had to read close, and I was a little bit illiterate. Now I'm an author of two books, you know, praise God. And I, 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 God touched my life at 19 years old. I'm now in a reversal process where my eyes, instead of slowly deteriorating and going blind, my eyes are now progressively getting better and better. Because Jesus Christ breaks every curse and reverses it and turns everything that the enemy meant for evil and turns it for our good. Amen? And so I want to say it like this. Life is not about what you think you are or what you think you can do. It's about what God can make of you. God can touch you and transform you in a moment. So God wants to produce a mighty harvest in your life, 100-fold. And I want to kind of paint a picture today. You are very much so like a beautiful garden in the Lord's eyes. According to this parable, you are soil. But we also see in the very beginning in Genesis 1 verse 28, it says uh, in God's first commandment that we are to be fruitful and multiply. 
The very first commandment God gave man. Now, obviously, we know that, you know, that speaks of reproduction and making babies and all that stuff. But I believe on a deeper level, what this communicates is not only that we're soil, but we're called to be seed sowers. We're called to be fruitful, to multiply in everything that we do. Everything that God gives us is meant to abound in his hands is meant to be used for his glory. Every gift, every talent, every blessing, every uh, way of favor, anything that the Lord gives, because the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of light. Anything that the Lord gives is meant to be a seed in his hand that produces a harvest for his glory. So the very first commandment given to man, be fruitful and multiply. So you are both soil and you are both Seed, you are a seed sower. And God has fixed our earth realm to be governed by a kingdom law called the law of seed time and harvest. And to put it basic, that just simply means that you reap what you sow in life. What you sow, you will reap. So I think under that revelation, we should learn how to sow the right seeds into the right soil so that we get the right harvest in life. Some of us have wondered why our harvest is poor. Well, I want to break this down today because it could point to either your seed or your soil. Seeds and soil are all around us. I want to give you guys some biblical examples of seeds that we sow. I feel like I'm rushing right through this because, you know, I could say so, so much. But um, for the sake of time. There are several seeds we can sow in life, and you can write some of these down if you'd like to. The very first one is, uh, is very common, and uh, I want to set this as a foundation because oftentimes when we think of sowing, we purely only think of finances. But nonetheless, it is true that financial sacrifice is a seed for financial blessing. However, I just want to put this first and foremost because I believe financial giving is just the foundation of sowing and reaping. Once you get the full revelation of sowing and reaping, you realize that it's actually a lifestyle in which you prosper in all affairs in your life. Okay? So finances is just one aspect of sowing. I could preach big, long messages about sowing and testimonies of times where the Lord's moved us to sow sacrificially. You know, the Bible says that if we give generously, we reap generously, speaking of finances. But what if that's not limited to finances? What if it applies to other areas in our life as well? I wrote down here, financial sacrifice, release financial blessing. But more than that, praise, for example, is a seed for a changed atmosphere. The Bible says that God inhabits our praises. Isaiah 61 speaks of a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That means any time that there's a heavy atmosphere or an oppressive atmosphere or an atmosphere that feels closed up or an atmosphere or a spiritual climate that feels dark, praise is how you break through it. Praise is a spiritual principle where you begin to release sacrifices of praise. You sow into your atmosphere with praise. And what happens is the heavens begin to open. The atmosphere changes. 
Paul and Silas were in their prison cell and they began to praise God and it shook the whole prison and they were broken from their captivity. Sometimes the key to breaking out of your captivity is to begin to know how to sacrificially praise in such a way where where you get outside of yourself and you begin to bless the Lord and you begin to sow into the realm of the Spirit with praise and thanksgiving. Because, man, my Bible says that it's by praise and thanksgiving that we enter into the courts and the gates. So you want to know how to access the presence of God? Learn how to praise. It's a seed in your life where you can break through and you can begin to receive a harvest of a, of a pure atmosphere in your life. Now, following this, this is, the, these two go hand in hand. Praise is a seed for a changed atmosphere. Worship is a seed for the cloud of God's glory. There was a woman by the name of Ruth Ward Heflin. You should read some of her books. She has a series of books called Revival. She has Revival Glory, or a, a series of books called Glory. She has a book called Revival Glory, Golden Glory. Then there's just Glory. And really, she dedicated her whole life to talking about the glory of God, which, by the way, if you're unfamiliar with that term glory, all I'm talking about is the manifest presence of God. There's the universal presence of God. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. There's no denying that. But God also decides to manifest himself. And there, there's, a, there's a dimension in the presence of God. When we worship, we eventually slip into what would be called glory. And Ruth Ward Heflin used to say, we praise until uh, the spirit of worship comes, and we worship until the glory comes. And when we get into the glory, then we stand amazed in awe at God. So praise is a seed for a changed atmosphere in your life. Worship is a seed for glory. You can live under an open heaven in your home, in your car, in your ministry, in your business, in your workplace, wherever you are, you're meant to be a carrier of God's glory. And worship is the highway. Worship is the access point where you begin to feel that abiding presence of the glory of God. I cannot live another day without the glory of God. And my Bible says we go from glory to glory. So it's probably time that we begin to accept the revelation that we are made for glory. How can we go from glory to glory if we don't even realize that we're made for glory? Anyway, that's another message. So watch this. Humility is a seed for grace. God gives grace to the humble. Every time you sow humility and you get low before the Lord and you get low before man, God gives you grace. He gives grace to the humble. Excellence, listen to this. This is a word for this hour. Excellence is a seed for recognition. I love that. I don't have a Bible verse for that, but it's true. Excellence is a seed for recognition. Integrity is a seed for promotion. Our time is a seed for eternity. Every time that we sow our time, we're actually storing up eternal heavenly treasures. When you give your time to an individual, maybe you're mentoring someone, you're pouring into a new disciple, you're helping someone. Every time that you sow your time, God sees it and he knows how to return and even bless you even in the realm of eternity, heavenly treasures. Sometimes it reaps in the natural where someone may make time for you. Does that make sense? Now, seed sowing works in the positive, 
but it also works in the negative. In the negative, we have demonic seeds that can be sown. And these type of seeds produce a harvest that we don't want to experience in life. In the book of Proverbs, seven things is, are listed that the Lord hates. And one of those is when one sows discord among the brethren. Discord is a seed for division. I'm going to say that again. Discord is a seed for division. Watch this one. Dishonor, which I'll tell a story about this in a little bit. Dishonor is a seed for spiritual blockage. Now you might think, how is that so? Well, if you contrast it and compare it with honor, honor, maybe you've heard this saying before, what you honor, you make room for. What you honor in the things of heaven and in the things of the kingdom, you make room for in your life. Jesus said, honor a prophet in the name of a prophet and you receive a prophet's reward. And if you're here and you don't believe in prophets, honor a righteous man in the name of a righteous man and you receive a righteous man's reward. So on the contrast, dishonor will block you from receiving the reward that you are to receive sometimes in life. That's meant to come through the channel of honor. So if honor will cause you to receive from God, dishonor will block you in the spirit. So it is impossible to receive from God when you attend a service or uh, 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 present yourself before a man or a woman of God and you operate out of dishonor. If you dishonor your pastor, you're probably not going to receive from your pastor what God has to speak through him. Make sense? So we block ourselves spiritually from growing and from receiving when we live a life that dishonors. Watch this one. Pride is a seed for failure. How do I know that? Pride comes before the fall. If humility is a seed for grace, then pride is a seed for failure. If God gives grace when we operate out of humility, then failure is our harvest when we operate out of pride. Because when you operate out of pride, you are actually turning your face away from the help of God. And from the helper who is the Holy Spirit meant to be with you. Listen, the Holy Spirit will not hang around a proud person. The Holy Spirit will not anoint a proud person. When you operate out of pride, you're actually turning away from the empowerment and the grace that God desires to freely give you and pour into you. But because of pride, you're blocking it because you think you can do it on your own. And you think you've got it. Anyway. Hallelujah. I'm just telling truth today. Stinginess is a seed for lack. If generosity is a seed for increase, stinginess is a seed for lack. And again, not just talking about finances, but when we're stingy with our time, stingy with kindness, stingy with encouragement, stingy with anything in life. Anytime that we operate more out of self-preservation and we just try to hoard and keep the blessings and the, and the things that God freely gives to us. Because Jesus said, as you freely receive, freely give. Not just talking about finances. Again, guys, we got to just like get beyond the financial barrier, I think, sometimes. Because I think anytime I talk about sowing, people just think I'm talking about offerings and, and tithing and things like that. It's mo so much more than that. But you can be spiritually stingy. Mm. 
Check this out. Some of you won't like this, but it's truth. And I'm almost done with the negative aspects, and then we'll get more into the fun part of my message, okay? You guys all right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Um, sin, <gasps> he said sin. Sin is a seed for sickness and death. How do I know that? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Now, I should probably clarify and say unrepentive sin or willful sin opens the door to sickness and death in your life. You are giving the enemy a legal access point to afflict you with infirmities and sicknesses and even to assign assignments of death in your life. Now, that's another message. I am a healing evangelist. We believe in miracles. Part of preaching and teaching and imparting the revelation of um, divine healing in the body of Christ is examining some of these truths. There is a dimension to the fact that sin can open a door to disease, to sickness, to afflictions. Now, Jesus Christ died for your sins, and Jesus Christ can heal you and set you free because he's merciful, but I'm purely speaking of the truth that sin is a direct seed into reaping a harvest of sickness, disease, and destruction in your life. When you have a willful choice, an open door to sin. Okay? This is right. I know I'm a guest speaker, and praise God I didn't come here to talk about sin today or spank anybody. But we got to preach the full counsel. Amen? So, praise God. Let's move forward now. <laughs> we'll have an altar call later for all of those in sin. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> all right, check this out. So, let me break this down for you. I want to shift into what I'm trying to actually get to today. Seeds, if you're writing notes down, are actions, choices, and words. Actions, choices, words. Those are the seeds that you sow in your life. You are sowing seeds of actions, choices, words. You may say, how are words a seed? Proverbs 18 says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And those who love of it will eat of its fruit. So if words have fruit, then words are seeds. You, every time you speak a word, it actually, I could even go on a quantum physics level with you today and talk about the fact that our words contain matter and Literally, it's been proven scientifically that our words have life and death capabilities. That's another message. I have, a, I have messages upon messages with some things. Um, it's like um, I have Holy Ghost ADHD, so sometimes I want to go on a rabbit trail and like touch on it, but I, I can't. Um, <laughs> help, Lord. But um, seeds are actions, choices, and words. But soil, again, we're dealing with seeds and soil. Combined together, soil deals with people, places, and atmospheres. People, places, and atmosphere. On an individual level, you are soil, as I shared with you in Matthew 13. You are soil. You can be good soil by cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit and living a life in prayer and in the secret place with God, your heart can become fertile, good ground that just receives every word that God has for you. Or you could be bad soil. You could be someone that, that becomes hardened in life. And listen, I, I know what it's like to live in life. Life gets hard sometimes. And the enemy wants to make you hardened 
so that you're not receptive. So that every word spoken out of the mouth of God, every word that God desires to sow into you actually hits hard ground and isn't fully received and isn't fully reaped. That's what the enemy would like. That's why in the big grand scheme of things, God wants us to walk in wholeness, spirit, soul, and body, where we're healed and touched and freed in our soul, freed in our bodies, freed spiritually. Amen? So soil deals with persons on an individual level. Places also can be seen as a soil. I'm an itinerant preacher. I travel all over the world. And some places would be what you consider hard ground. It feels like I'm preaching and I'm like just casting my seeds. And praise God, you know, I'm just called to do my part and sow the seed, you know. But everywhere you go, you want to see breakthrough, right? Once you've been in revival, once you've been in the glory of God, you want every meeting to be like that. Why wouldn't you? You just want everybody to get touched everywhere you go. You want it to be like a glory takeover every place you go. Isn't that awesome? You just want God to come every time, you know? But unfortunately, I go some places and I'm like, did you guys even want me to come here? You know, or like, am I in the wrong place? You know, and I, I'm preaching and, I, and it's like I'm hitting a wall because the soil in the place is hard. Now, this can be connected to the third aspect of soil and that could be the atmosphere. There could be a spiritual realm, a spiritual principality that exists over a city, over a place that is preventing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. If you think of atmosphere like a climate, when you go to a place and it is dry, it points to the fact that the climate, the atmosphere is dried up and there's not been rain or outpouring in the land in a long time. But here's something the Lord has taught me as a young preacher. He said, you cannot change anybody but you can sow into the atmosphere of a place. You can sow the seed of my word into a place. And by the power of my word, you can change the atmosphere and change it from a climate that is dry and dead to a, a, a climate that produces clouds with rain. And just like it says in uh, 2 Kings, I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand, and it's about to rain. You can, you can partner with the Lord in a way where you go into a place and shift the atmosphere. Like I was talking about with praise. Praise sometimes is the key, and I'm a worshiper, and so sometimes God has used me as a worshiper to go into places and, and just sing in the spirit and, and, and sing in a way where I, I open the atmosphere with God. And as the atmosphere is open, it begins to rain on the place, and the hard ground of the place becomes soft ground. And now that the ground is soft, it's now fertile and receptive. And the people can begin to take a drink and get refreshed. Come on. Really, I just gave you a recipe for revival, you know. But the thing is, is that God wants to release times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Acts 3.19. What does that look like? It looks like outpouring. But some places are closed up in the spirit. It's, it's hard soil. It's hard ground. So again, I can't change anybody, but I can partner with God to shift the atmosphere and sow into a place. And at the end of the day, my job is simply to sow the seed. 
The Bible says some sow, some water, but God gives the increase. Sometimes we're blessed to see the increase, boom, right there. And that's like my favorite type of meeting and my favorite type of outcome. And even as a young evangelist, before I was ever a preacher, I was a street evangelist, just like loving Jesus and going out on the streets and uh, sharing my faith with people. And I quickly learned like, man, there'd be good days where I'm just like reaping souls in with Jesus. And then there'd be some days where I'm like flat out rejected and all I get to do is sow the seed. Well, I did my part. I just loved them and sowed the seed. Someone else will come and water the seed and get to see the harvest that I may never see in life. More to that in a minute. But let me share with you guys an example. How am I doing here? Oh, Jesus, help, Lord. This is not my strong suit with time. You guys okay? Hey, listen, you know, I got kids and babies. If you need to get your babies or anything at any time, like, go for it, you know. But who's hungry today? Like, you guys want to just pull with me and encounter Jesus today. Um, Listen, I'll share with you a real-life story, something that happened um, a few years back in the beginning of our uh, ministry and marriage, really. Jordan and I, I think we're just a year married, and we uh, felt God call us to go to the Philippines. And we went to the Philippines and was working with this pastor. Uh, Actually, we got this creative idea from the Lord um, to rent a secular movie theater to preach the gospel in. So in uh, Asia, in in many Asian countries, they love malls, like shopping malls. If you ever go to Asia, you'll see, like, they've got, like, a gazillion shopping malls. And they're all huge. Like, they put our malls to shame. Like, they're massive, and, and they've got stores that we've never heard of, and everything's super cheap because of the exchange rate. It's awesome if you ever want to go shop in, in any way. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, what? Uh, but, but we got this idea uh, from the Lord to rent out a movie theater in one of Manila's largest malls. And so we got this creative idea, and it was awesome, and, and we got the price, you know, uh, on what it would take to rent it. And then when we arrived, uh, the pastor actually, you know, did a smooth one. And he said, actually, it's going to be three times the amount that we told you. And I said, are you for real? And thank God we had what we call oops money in the budget, you know. And that's kind of what I try to do every time I go on a trip. I try to have oops money just in case things like that happen overseas, which happens pretty much every trip. There's always like something that comes up, we, brother, we need, to, we need to expense another $1,000 for this. I'm like, you kidding me? Like, no, we need this or else the crusade's not happening. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> you know, this would be nice to know, like, while we're budgeting everything, you know. And uh, in any way, we had, like, several things just come up. I'm going to get to the point. We had several things come up, not just with that incident, but with other situations that I won't go into where the pastor actually was very dishonoring towards us. My wife will tell you, we had so many instances where it was just wrong the way he treated us and the way he did things. And we traveled all the way there and, and we weren't expecting, we, we don't need special attention, you know, or anything like that. But we, we came with pure hearts to pour out and to see souls saved and stuff. But we had so many instances where this pastor just made decisions that, that were blatant and dishonoring. And I remember being so discouraged because of that. And I was in prayer and my God, we were staying, <laughs> we, were, we were staying, uh, we, we were told we were going to have a place to stay, but we got there and we actually were staying in this little office with 25 teenagers, 100 degrees, laying on the floor and roaches and all that fun stuff. So I remember I'm sweating, you know, every ounce of sweat in my body in this place. And I'm praying to the Lord. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to honor him. 
And I said, okay, what do you want me to do? And he began to speak to me. He said, I want you to buy him a suit jacket, a really nice suit jacket. And I want you to give it to him on Sunday morning. I want you to wrap it around him because it's a new mantle that I'm putting on him. And I want you to pray over him in front of everybody and publicly honor him. And I said, are you kidding me, Lord? And he said, no, I'm not. <laughs> and uh, so I said, okay, yes, Lord. So I, 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 I do it. We go and we buy um, a nice suit jacket for him and we get flowers and a gift for the pastor's wife. And, and we just decide we're going to choose to honor. In the face of dishonor, we're going to choose honor. So I did it. We, we brought them up in front of his congregation. I wrapped that jacket over him and tears began to flood down his face. And he began to break. And he began to cry. And he knew that God was, was humbling him and that God was, you know, um, desiring to use me as a blessing to speak over him. And, and I think he just crumbled in that moment. Well, fast forward, um, the next weekend, we had traveled from uh, the Philippines to China, working in the underground church. We're in Beijing, and we're having awesome meetings and very fun. And what happened uh, on Sunday morning is I finished preaching, and the pastor there comes up to me after the service, and he said, hey, uh, I want you to meet my friend. He's going to size you up. And I said, what do you mean he's going to size me up? Like, I didn't know what that meant, you know? And he said, he's going to measure you. I want to give you a tailored suit. And I said, what? I've never had a tailored suit, you know? And, and he's like, yeah, it's an Italian, nice tailored suit. And I'm like, serious? So I'm getting measured, and I get blessed with this brand new Italian suit. Now, I've expanded since then. I can't wear it now. I was skinny as a stick back in 2018. But anyhow, I got blessed with this suit, and my friend who was with us pointed it out. I didn't even think of it like this. He said, wow, in a way, you kind of sowed a seed into that you gave a suit jacket, and, and God gave you a whole suit. And I didn't even think about that. But here's the thing. When you sow honor, you reap double honor. Now here's the other thing. If a good seed dies in the soil that is bad, then a bad seed cannot exist in soil that is good that has been prepared and tilled by the Lord. What that means is when man sows dishonor, because of the soil of your heart, it cannot survive. It cannot take root. It cannot live in the place where the mind has been renewed and where the heart has been transformed. When you get that revelation, you become unoffendable. You become unreceptive to persecution, criticism, hate. Man may try to sow demonic seeds into your life, word curses in your life, but because of the soil that you have control of over your heart, you can't control others, you can't change others, but you can control you. And you can let the Lord work on you and change your heart. Man, I'll tell you, when you get this revelation, the enemy can try to sow things into you, but it'll bounce off of you because you've got a pure soil made out of your heart. Hallelujah. So when you sow honor, you reap double honor. You guys okay today? I'm going to read one more passage of Scripture and then shift into my clothes here. 
Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. You don't have to go there if you don't want to. I'm going to read it very quickly. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good. Listen to this. Listen to this. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are of the household of the faith. I love that. Here it is again. Paul isn't even talking about finances. He said, if you sow in the flesh, you reap the flesh. If you sow in the spirit, you reap the, the spirit. If I could make Christianity like so simple a caveman could grab a hold of it, it's as simple as this. Once you're born again, now your job is simply to abide in the spirit. If you are born of the spirit and you live by the spirit, then walk in the spirit. See, it's totally possible to be born of the spirit, but choose to walk in the flesh. You could be born again. You're going to heaven. By grace through faith, you're saved. Not by works, lest any man should boast. You're going to go to heaven, praise God. But the problem is, is that you were hardwired to be in fellowship and connection with the Holy Spirit, but yet we choose sometimes to live in the flesh. And when we sow into the flesh, we reap the flesh. But we sow into the Spirit, we reap the Spirit. But here's the thing Paul is saying here. He says, let us not grow weary in our pursuit of doing good. In other words, let us not grow weary in our efforts to sow seed. Let us not grow tired of seed sowing. And the revelation here is not just that we are seed sowers, but we are to live with the revelation that we are a seed, that our very life is a seed, that we are to look at everything pertaining to our life. Every yes to the Lord is a seed in God's hands. Every time we give God our yes, he sows us into his harvest field to reap a harvest for his glory. Come on. He said, don't grow weary in your pursuit of doing good because in due season, you will reap a harvest. Now, sometimes due season feels like a due process. It feels like this long process and you've been doing all the right things. You've been sowing and sowing and sowing. But, but there's this due season process sometimes. And the thing is, is you don't always see the fruit of your labors. You don't always see in this lifetime all that your life sowed into. Sometimes it's the next generation that sees it. You know, I've been studying and thinking a lot about David Livingston or Livingstone, however you'd like to say his name. Many of you know who I'm talking about. He was a missionary to Africa that gave his whole life, spent himself entirely sowing into the continent of Africa. So much so that before he passed away, he made a request. He said, do whatever you'd like with my body, but I want my heart to stay in Africa because that's where my heart is. So before he passed away, or after he passed away, they removed his heart. His body was buried in England, but his heart was buried under a tree in Zambia. What a prophetic picture of a seed of a life sown 
into the, the, the labors and the efforts of God to, to reap a nation. And David Livingston never saw the harvest that came as a result of his life laid down. But I'll tell you, a hundred years later, there were generals in the faith who have now passed on themselves. Men like T.L. Osborne. Men like Reinhard Bonnke. And with the technology we now have, able to do mass crusades. Reinhard Bonnke in Nigeria alone reaped a million souls for the Lord. Come on, can you think about that? I don't know the exact number, but I believe it's 78 up to 80 million souls now saved under Christ for all nations through that ministry. David Livingston probably never would have imagined what his pioneer work, what his life served as a seed would reap in a generation to come. Can I tell you one more story before we shift? You guys all right? So speaking of Reinhard Bonnke, when he was 30 years old, he went to a region called Lesotho in South Africa. And that's where he conducted his very first gospel crusade. 8,000 people in attendance. And in that time, he basically ran everything. He was living in Africa. And um, in the story he tells is that the, the grass in the field that they were using was elephant grass, meaning it was very high, you know, but all the people crowded around to listen. And, um, and the crusade was finished. They reaped in and brought in many decisions for Christ. And then what happened next, uh, he's, he turned off the generators and he got in his car and he began to drive in the dark and he's plowing through this elephant grass driving and there's a young boy off the side of the road. And the boy waves at Reinhard to stop. And Reinhard parks his car and says, how can I help you? And he said, I was just in your crusade and I responded to give my life to the Lord. But now I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I knew that you were going to drive this way and I waited here for you to see if you would personally pray for me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So Reinhard's telling this story and he said he just kept the lights on. It's pitch black outside in South Africa. He gets out of his car and immediately when he laid his hand upon the young boy, he said it was like electricity just flowed through his body and he began to speak with new tongues, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he said, what is your name? And he said, my name's David. And he said, how old are you? 17. Well, a few weeks later, Reinhard here's a report about a village that's under revival. And he said, really, there's a revival? He said, yeah, it's been happening for uh, four weeks now. And he said, well, who's the preacher? And they said, it's a young boy. Well, what's his name? David. And the young boy, David, eventually came to Reinhardt and, and told him the backstory of what happened. That night after Reinhard Bonnke prayed for him to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he went back to his village and immediately was met with a, a mother who was holding her baby frantic because the baby was whimpering and wailing, dying of a fever. And the thing is, is that this mother had just lost her firstborn with a fever. And this baby had the same fever. So she's desperate. And the only thing David could think to do was to offer prayer. He said, can I pray for her? And she said, yes, please do something. So David 
who had just been saved and just been baptized with the Holy Spirit lays his hands on this baby and the power of God touches the baby and breaks the fever instantly. So this baby is instantly healed and she runs, the mother runs to the chief of the village and tells, tells him what happened and the chief calls for David and said, can you pray for my daughter? She's in the hut and she's sick as well. Well, he didn't tell her everything that was going on. He walks in the hut and the, and the daughter was crippled, lame from birth, legs all twisted up, mangled, impossible to walk. David walked into the little hut, laid his hand on the girl's legs. Instantly, say instantly. I believe in instant miracles. I don't know about you. Instantly, the power of God touched that girl. She rose up on her feet and walked for the first time in her life. The chief immediately began to ask David about his Jesus, about this Jesus that he's praying to. And he said, you're going to preach for the next 10 days and share the gospel, uh, share with us about this Jesus. So for the next 10 days, he preached. And when he's telling Reinhard Bonnke this, Reinhard's like, well, David, you're just now saved. And, and what did you preach? And he said, brother... I preached what you preached. Come on, somebody. And he said, well, then you were preaching the gospel. So he, my God, this is how it's going to go in the days to come. We're going to see an acceleration. Listen, it doesn't take 10 years of process. All you have to do is become fertile ground to receive the seed of the kingdom. And that seed can produce a beautiful harvest in your life. And listen, friends, you don't know what your life is doing. You don't know sometimes what your life is sowing into by saying yes to the Lord. I was praying into this and the Lord said, now is uh, not only the time to say, here am I, Lord, send me, but to pray, here am I, Lord, sow me into the nations, so that I could reap a harvest for you. Oh my, and I found myself praying for America. I found myself praying for uh, Charlotte. I found myself praying for the regions, and I, I begin to say, God, who is going to be a seed for this area, for this nation? And I said, Lord, sow me so that I could reap Sri Lanka for you. Sow me so that I could reap the nations for you. God, I want to live like a living seed in your hand. Woo! I want to reap souls with my life. I may not even see the full harvest with my life, but maybe a generation will come later that will benefit from the fruit. Hallelujah. God is raising up harvesters in this hour. Jesus said the harvest is ripe. In other words, there's good soil all around. You just got to find it. But the problem is that the laborers are few. Now is the time to pray to the Lord of the harvest to thrust out laborers, to thrust out sent ones who would say yes to the call and say, God, just like John Wesley, light me on fire so that the world can watch me burn. Whatever it looks like, Lord. Whatever the cost. Because it's, It'll come with a cost. Whew. But God is, I believe, even tugging on people today. I, I don't always preach messages aligned like this, but this is actually a call, I believe, to respond to say, Lord, I'm going to be a harvester. I'm going to 
not only consider the seeds in my life, but I'm going to become a seed for you. Spend me. Sow me. Even like Mary in the Bethany house, she took her costly perfume, everything that was valuable to her, really it represented her livelihood, her life. She broke it and she poured that oil on the feet of Jesus. And it was a sweet fragrance that not only got upon the feet of Jesus, but it filled the whole room. It filled the whole place. And the interesting thing about that story is that Jesus said, from now on, anytime the gospel is preached, this moment will be remembered. You might think, well, how is that? What does that have to do with evangelism? Every time an evangelist, every time a willing one spends themselves for souls and and speaks as an oracle of God, speaks as one who heralds and proclaims the good news. Every time the good news is preached, it's it's like a sacrifice upon the feet of Jesus. It's a, it's a fragrant offering. Woo. Come on. I don't know. I feel like God wants to call some people today. Like this is a day of commissioning. Like, like maybe you've, you've never considered this in your life. Maybe you've had limiting beliefs like me. I grew up never thinking I would do anything with my life. I thought I was going to be a blind man who maybe learns how to play the guitar and whatever, you know. But God is calling you. And it doesn't matter who you think you are. What matters is what God can make of you.